It's the little engine that could. We watched Thomas and the Train Master, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen. If you thought you had seen it all... Welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven. I am joined, as always, by Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? Hi, I'm well today. Good, good. And of course, we are joined by Brian, the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? Oh, pretty good. Good, good. We we have a little bit of a Christmas miracle, a little bit of a palate cleanser on Portland at the Movies, which was a purposeful, uh, purposeful pick, I will say. And that is Thomas and the Train Master, the sequel to the 2008 Train Master movie that actually we did two Christmases ago. Aww. I listened back to our episode on that uh, one because uh, remembering back after we made the 50, uh, we made our best to worst 50 list, uh, Train Master, I believe, was in my top Top three three or five or something, but like collectively um, was such a great movie and such a great experience. And um, the year in between last year, we did um, we sing Christmas. So we skipped it, but we did, we are coming back because one thing we also mentioned in that last uh, Tom uh, train train master one, two years ago was like, and next Christmas we'll be doing the movie that Brian tried to find again for this Christmas, which I can't remember the name of now, but we could not. <laughs> did, did we really uh, the weather the weather outside? The weather outside. Yes. And you said, oh, I can't wait till next Christmas because we're going to watch this. Oh, man. So yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Maybe we can uh, we can secret into the universe the existence of this movie for us to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the weather outside was going to be our first choice for this episode. Um, which had a direct tie to Christmas, um, as opposed to this movie, which was just a feel-good film, which I felt fit the season uh, as, as well as anything could in our situation. Um, but uh, let's see. So if anyone, if any of our listeners uh, know where we can track down uh, this film, uh, I'm going to look it up uh, so I can name drop the director in case anyone knows yeah. that person. Uh, but it's called The Weather Outside, uh, and it's 2015, and um, it is, uh, the director and writer is Jason Freeman, um, and uh, the plot synopsis is that Max finds himself separated from his family on Christmas Eve. He ultimately comes to the conclusion that his wife has left him and taken their children along with her. One year later, uh, after the disappearance, he begins to discover that he might have one last risky chance to get them back. Um, I don't know much about it other than it has an amazing uh, poster. Um, it's actually like a hand-painted poster. Um, and I, I, in my tangential research on this film, I, I learned that uh, it actually won some award for uh, indie movie films uh best poster uh the year it came out um interesting yeah but uh anyways that will be our show next christmas if if someone can (laughs) definitively if someone can help us two mutual friends on facebook one of them being david walker so i might just ping david walker to see if he knows anything because most a lot of these movies like even this obscure ones there's like a way to buy a copy somewhere this or that this movie just does not exist. It's not on IMDb or it's not on just watch or it's not on like, and it's hard to Google because there's always the weather underground, which is, you know, a whole other thing. And this, there's one like three, two or three minute thing on YouTube. That's some sort of trailer or something. That's not even posted by the company that made this, but there is no, just, doesn't exist which is wild so yeah cool to track that down yeah 20 yeah, they've added it to imdb but, oh but okay that's about it um what's that brian i was gonna say uh uh so since we're on the subject of lost portland films 
um, given our uh, recent history with Slapped and Spunked, um, I, I did discover a new film that I wanted to alert our readers to because I really want to cover this film on the show. But just like the weather outside, even though it's uh, the year 2010, um, its entire trace has been scraped from the internet. Um, and it's called wow. Little Blue Pill. Um, and here's the plot synopsis. It's one sentence. <laughs> a raucous comedy about an unlucky hipster who accidentally takes two erectile dysfunction pills and goes through a day <laughs> of misadventure. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> um, wow. I don't watch. The the trailer you can tell by the word raucous <laughs> what kind of movie that is attempting to be but wow uh, misadventures with a boner through <laughs> so you can watch the trailer on IMDb and um, yes there are are like every little thing causes him to have a boner and then he's like trying to hide <laughs> it and uh, the the trailer starts with him at Pittock Mansion and then he's going through downtown Portland so it has it looks like it's going to have a lot of Portland in it. But wow. again, <laughs> like the, the official website is defunct. The Facebook page uh, had links to where you could watch it. You could order the DVD from the official site, which is down. It used to be on Amazon. It is no longer. So um, even wow. though it was released on DVD, it's not for sale on eBay or on anything. So Little Blue Pill, we need a copy of this film um, by, by Aaron Godfred. Oh, I think it'd be like by tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a University of Oregon uh, article about the movie, uh, and it's fascinating though that even as far as 2010, there is yeah. still lost media. We all think you know everything's digitized now, right. everything exists forever, and there is like the the, the movie Thomas and the Train Master has one defunct MySpace page. And that's it. Like there is almost nothing about this movie. And this is 2012 even. Yeah. And a, a large production. And uh, the line, it's not quite Citizen Kane, but neither does it aspire to be. <laughs> what is that the slogan for? That's about this art. This article is oh, about, uh, the, about movie. the Okay. Okay. I, th <laughs> I thought it was that is, was his actual slogan. <laughs> But let's move on to to better pastures with Thomas and the Train Master. Brian, do you want to do you want to walk us through what we're what this movie is? Okay, so Thomas and the Train Master is a full-on sequel um, to, as you mentioned, uh, the previous film in the series that we reviewed for this show, uh, just called simply Train Master. Um, now, I feel that Thomas and the Train Master is a terrible terrible title um because it, it thomas a isn't even necessarily the main protagonist in the film um and it doesn't tell you anything about the movie and uh it, it could easily be confused with train master like i could understand if it was like an evil dead one and two situation where it was a soft remake of the first film um but it, it has its own adventure and who's the train master is Grant. Well, I, I, I wrote down at one point, who's the train master? <laughs> it was very existential, but here's why I think they did it. And okay. I thought what you were going to say, I think the number one reason they did this is because people are Googling Thomas and the tank engine. Oh, yep. And so yep. they put Thomas and the train in. Oh my gosh. And that's an easy, totally. I mean, that's, I'm imagining why this kid in the story is also named Thomas as a nod to Thomas, the tank engine. That so like for the longest funny. time, I thought this was just a Thomas movie, like a Thomas, the tank engine, the very useful tank engine story. But I'm, I'm guessing that's why, which is kind of smart because if you want, if you want that audience, which I think Free is exposure. what it's going going for. So who yeah, who would you say the demographic for this movie was? I mean, obviously kids, but I like even more specific than that. I think it's like 10 and under. Yeah, and like the oldest. really like uh, my first movie um, like this film yeah. is is 
aiming low in the age demographic um, because the characters and their emotions and, and their motivations, everything is just over the top. The, you know, the acting and, and they made it, I th they tried to make it as easily understandable and digestible as possible, um, which also makes this movie incredibly tedious to watch um, if you are above the age of four. <laughs> <laughs> At least that was my how it made me feel. <laughs> Are we gonna come to blows over Thomas and, <laughs> and the train master? I I agree, and I kind of liked. Um, I I was trying to think of other examples of like real movies that actually exist for an audience that young. Usually, movies are kind of even the ones that are geared towards children are even winking and nodding kind of above that and trying to get to preteen and stuff like that. There is just a not a whole lot of non animated, like, f I mean, there's family movies and stuff like that, but it, it just seemed to fill an interesting niche that way. I, f I feel like the characters and the level of confidence was about the original Pete's dragon. Um, and, hmm. and so Pete, you know, uh, was the protagonist. He's the he's the boy. He's the one that sees the dragon. Uh, there's the uh, sideline characters that are trying to foil, and they're super slapsticky and okay. outrageous. And there's the uh, kind old man who is helping the child along and and get to his destination. So, so I really think that this is. A remake of Pete's Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the only so this was and go ahead. Ryan. I was just gonna uh, go back to the the naming thing. The, the the one reason that I could see them naming it something that was not clearly a sequel is just to not alienate uh, any potential audience that had not seen Train Master instead of calling it Train Master Two or something. And that way, Electric Boogaloo. The <laughs> that is one thing that I noticed going in because it just kind of starts and I was like well I don't remember I remember loving the first train master but I don't remember anything <clears throat> right. about it other than some broad strokes and so I'm like how much do I have to know how much lore do nope. I have to know and you don't have to know any and there's, they um, they don't really one reference yeah. okay. there's one reference there's like I can't leave you kids in the in the cab we know what happened last time wink, right, wink. right and that was it yeah, which I kind of ended up liking at the end because it's kind of like a Bobsy Twins or Hardy Boys, where it's yeah. like it's not a chronological. It's they're like all talking about what happened last time. It's yeah. like, oh, here's a movie that kids will the further adventures of. Right, it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark and and Temple of Doom. They don't like sit around talking, you know, all that. So I thought that was kind of nice. Now, did you think that but this one? Say, uh, w w did you feel that this movie felt like it was reaching for a younger demographic than the first one? Like my memory says, the first one was a little bit more all ages, and this one was maybe a little bit more kitty. I I feel like the slapsticky uh, component of the the two villains, uh, the henchmen, brought down the age. Okay, lower. Yeah. The, the first one definitely was made for a very young audience because it was very it was very much the same the same type of dialogue and the same sort of situation. Did you rewatch it like that? But. I didn't end up rewatching the whole thing, but I did kind of flip through it to kind of remind myself what it was and who, how many of these people were, were in the same sure. characters and stuff like that. But I didn't rewatch it. Um, but I will say um, before we get too much further into it, even like by the, I was, I'm, I'm house sitting at this place that, that has a cat. And so I knew I wanted, uh, I was going to watch this movie and I was, I didn't bring my notebook with me. So I'm like, Oh, I'll just try it. Like Brian does it on his computer. And so I had one window open where I can type in and the other one and the computer on my lap and it started. And, and the first scene of this movie is uh, the grandpa with his grandkids in hit what their, um, their train. What do you even call that? Model railroad, model railroad galaxy it's like just yeah. gigantic and it's i think from one of the totally. the downtown ones but just a beautiful like through the <clears throat> gorge setup for this model railroad and it is lit 
and shot so wonderfully. Like I could not get over how well lit this shot of just like this model railroad thing is. And there's like a little camera dolly and like a gentle, like all of this stuff that is so above this type of movie. And that was my same experience with, with the first one is like this shocking amount. And like, I couldn't competency. Yeah. And not just competency, but like, an artistry behind what yeah. they were doing. And I listened back to our, our episode of, of the original train master. And um, one of the comments was, it's clear that this director, even though he did not do any, he's done train master and train master two and Oof. nothing else. And it's clear that he knows enough about, and he still works in the creative field somewhere, but he knows enough about the process to hire people who know what they're doing. Right. And to instead of trying to do it all yourself, like a lot of these low budget, because these are very low budget movies and the camera is still clearly looked more of a video camera than a film camera. Yeah. But this one looked even better than the first one, I think, just because the camera is a lot better. But the shots and the sets and the the lighting and like it was so good. It did look good. But at the same time, it also looked I don't I don't know really how to describe it other than to say it looked more digital like it, it just looked yeah. unnaturally yeah. clear in in a weird way. Yeah. Did you have your motion scrolling on your TV? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but I did not, and I think that was a bit uh, a difference in the camera. I think it was just much more of a digital video vibe to it. Right. Than the, Maybe than a the higher one. frame rate, which gives you the soap opera effect. Kind yeah. Of, kind yeah. Of but even still within within that, I said, even though this clearly looks like a, you know, a low budget video, just the well, the way it was done. And like at the very end credits, they had like some of the shots from the sh- shooting of it. Like they've yeah. got like the full on professional movie crew out there. And I couldn't remember and I couldn't find it. I looked at the comments on Portland of the movies dot com and I tried looking <laughs> back. Our Facebook page was taken away and I don't know if we had it the last time we did it. But I remember somebody had contacted us about working on the first train master mm. and it's like oh yeah the director is my friend he's like some professional lighting guy that was like on oh, grim right. or whatever and they just all like came together on their free time right. to like, I remember pitch that. in yeah. and i can't find that anywhere so the only thing i think of is that it was on the portland the movies facebook page which was mm. no i'm pretty strict speaking of digital pretty sure we reviewed train master after our facebook page had already been taken away okay and I couldn't remember. And I tried to look back on Facebook and was I looked it an in the comments email? and I couldn't find it anywhere. It could be, but I don't know how to check the Portland at the movies email. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe somebody could do that. It's It wasn't in the comments, but yeah, I, I do remember that. And it makes sense because I think if we do, if we would look up some of the, t- um, the crew's name in IMDb, I'm sure we'd start, we'd see a lot of mm-hmm. big credits. Like there were special effects people that came because they all seem to, to be friends with this guy and want to pitch in. Um, I, this, but this movie did open. I got so excited because there was a little, it was kind of like a coming, coming later in this movie type thing, setting us up and they showed some, the kids walking down the railroad tracks and this happening and a skeleton. And it was right at the beginning of the movie. And I was just trying to type in my extra window that I had opened up on my computer. And I was like, you know what? Train master Thomas and the train master does not deserve this. So I, I got up and went scrounging through the house to find paper and then got the full screen experience with writing it down. And I am glad I did. Although one of the scenes was the kids like stand by me style, like walking down the railroad tracks in the sunset or whatever. And then one of them kind of, they're on a bridge and one of them kind of breaks through you know the bridge and they're all hanging on and i don't think that ever ends up happening in this movie no i don't remember that no but i'm pretty sure and maybe if you guys it's in the preview over it's in the little like oh this is the adventure coming up and it was like the skeleton oh wow the (laughs) skeleton showed up at some point but but then yeah then i got very excited because it was very clear that we were going to get some goonies goonies and stand by me vibes to this oh yeah definitely uh, uh goonies vibes going on for sure so yeah, the kids from the first movie, they don't really mention their their whole relationship, but um, one of them was the bully in the first movie, yeah. and one of the dads in this was the was kind of the bully dad, and they both learned the lesson at the end of the last movie. So now everybody is all friends. I did notice, and I don't know if it was purposeful or not, but the the dad character, the dad of the bully, and the mom of the main kid were not were not in this movie a whole lot. 
And so I'm not quite sure if that was purposeful or not. Um, but the kids, uh, the the former bully has something. Is He's in the hospital because something is wrong with his foot or leg yeah they yeah that was so weird growth plate isn't you know is is almost to the right plate you know (laughs) yeah i broke my growth plate um that's a serious injury brag (laughs) humble brag (laughs) (laughs) and so he's in the hospital and but it, it seems to be a very serious thing because the nurse which i'll get into in a second but the nurse is telling the dad like Surgery isn't going to be until next week. So it is a thing that needs a surgery and he's going to be, so, it's so important that he is confined to his bed that they give him a bedpan. And he has to go to Seattle for the surgery. <laughs> and it makes it all the crazier that he's just up and around the rest of the he movie. Just left. Like <laughs> right. wearing a leaf stick, a leg brace. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird because they didn't well, they, explain at all what had happened to him. We're just like introduced to him and he's in the hospital and we just go with it. Yeah, I I, I, I think they, they needed a reason to be at the hospital to to mm-hmm. introduce like what the you know, the main rub of the whole movie is the hospital is being replaced by a a tire burning factory. <laughs> tire burning energy plant that's gonna it was very simpsons <laughs> mr burns except with ms frizzle or whatever Ms. frisk ms frisk aunt aunt lois or whatever yeah so she uh, yeah so the there's a greedy developer ms frisk that wants to take the land because it's the perfect place to burn tires to sell cheap energy to then make all the money and take over the town and turn it into and I love I love the conceit of kids movies and other movies too they do it in the back of the future but I think it's more of a joke where the bad guy or the one of the characters has like an incredibly detailed two scale map <laughs> that involves their plan and this one had one too where this lady had this ridiculously like detailed model level like railroad model level <laughs> Um, plan for her to take over the town so she wants to kick out the hospital but it was just yeah the the stakes of that child's uh, injury were very strange especially like he has to stay in bed for surgery and then the kid sneaks out of the hospital by putting a a do not disturb Sign. Which I appreciate. Yeah, he he writes "Do not disturb" on a on a with crayon on a piece of paper and tapes that to the door. What I appreciated a lot of times in movies where they're showing like a kid's drawing or kid's writing or whatever. It's so obvious that an adult did it and tried to approximate it because it's either too good <laughs> or too bad, too on the nose bad or whatever. And right. I appreciate because I could tell that kid wrote that "Do Not Disturb" <laughs> sign because I. Was, <laughs> Which I really, I really appreciate it. If not, then they must have hired the props guy. Uh, the props guy who is actually named as Tim Oakley, who <laughs> is, does live in Portland, but is one of the uh, former Simpsons writer. What? And I don't know that he does prop works for movies. So it could be just a different Tim Oakley, which I'm assuming hmm. it is. But, um, um, so but the kids... Uh, hey, speaking yeah. of characters, so I was really confused about who one of the kids was because okay. we, we've got the brother and sister, the two main kids, and then we've got their uh, ex-bully, now friend, and then there was a fourth kid. Sammy? Sammy. Okay, Sammy. Sammy. Like, was he in the first movie? Like, I just did not remember him. I Yeah, and then when I went back to, to kind of scroll through the, the first one, I was like, wow, it is all, because the kids still seemed very young, and I'm like, this is four years after, like, I how thought that were too, they? yeah. Were they just and really so they young in the, the first same, one? Yeah, they were like six, maybe six or seven. This one, I would guess they're close to, well, four, four years later. Um, but it's the same kid, and Sammy is in it, and Sammy has what surprised me is that they all still had the same characteristics because Sammy in the first one was like always putting this little tech together and always building these little machines. And that's what he ends up doing in this one too, is always, he's like the sciencey one oh, that can do things. And was he the one? You're a genius. Was he the one who's, that's what I hear. Whose dinosaurs got taken away. 
Do you remember that? Maybe. Yeah. I I remember the dinosaurs. I forget whose they were, though. But yeah, it could be Sammy's dinosaur. But yeah, he was all those kids were in the first one. And oh. grandpa was the same. And the, the mom and dad were the same. What about Carl? I don't think <laughs> I don't think they were. Is in, he the one that got uh, left behind was, at the restaurant? It, totally. There was an well, there was another boy that was oh. wearing wearing the Charlie Brown sweater. It was the orange sweater with the the yellow sweater with the black stripe through it. I don't remember. Him. <laughs> and he, he was yeah he, he was there because he got off the train with Grandpa to go uh, buy something at the restaurant. Oh, so the, yeah, they got left behind. Oh, Justice for what was his name? Charlie Brown. <laughs> I'm scrolling through here now. <laughs> um, That's funny. Was so at some point early in the movie, all the kids go to the hospital uh, to visit Bully, um, and there they brought with them like a pack of ten kids. I think there was a lot more kids in the hospital. Was was that? Am I remembering? No. See, you guys are misremembering. Now, now I'm looking at the scene. The Charlie Brown kid is the oh. <laughs> I was like, well, he's the one with the hurt foot because he's on crutches. No. no. But then, uh, but then uh, the other kid in the hospital bed is the one that needs the thing. No. So you're right. But the rest of them there are, it's the brother and sister um, and Sammy. There's just the, there's five total kids. Okay. But yeah, I guess, yeah, we just jettison. Zero. <laughs> his, his, he couldn't accommodate the filming schedule, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Patreon and got a, <laughs> got a scene. <laughs> but one of the things that happens in this hospital, the kid who, the former bully who's in the hospital bed, keeps telling the dad like, oh, this nurse is the worst and... The nurse comes up and we see it kind of from the kid's point of view, how she's like literally dressed up as this scary witch, witch and like right. blah, 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 whatever. And that just never comes back. No, and never do they imagine other characters as more <laughs> scary than they are. The nurse plays no. And I was like, well, that's a weird introduction of magical realism that that just never quite comes back. But all the kids get together. Um, the one that escapes the hospital with his do not disturb sign. And they all meet because they have found the brother and sister have found a treasure map and letter from their great, 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 great grandfather who um, has hidden gold somewhere. And the treasure map leads there. And so they all. Well, how did they end up on the train with grandpa then if they escaped from the that just happenstance? Well, they were going for a sunny ride. The only person that escaped was the patient. And so. They were going, that day was train ride with Grandpa Day. Okay, okay, okay. And they get get to the train, and they're like, Grandpa, we're starving, hungry. We can't go anywhere without hamburgers. We need hamburgers now. And he's like, well, I guess we'll stop the train ride right now. It's running. I'll just lock the door, which the lock didn't work, apparently. Didn't. Uh, and, And... but you guys sit in the passenger car because we know what happened last time. And uh, and so they're sitting there in the passenger car. And then the train starts operating because the villains from Home Alone came and... <laughs> the wet bandits. Came to the, to the engine right. car and were slapsticking and accidentally put the train in motion. That's right. Yeah, the wet bandits are the nephews of the evil landlord lady and she frisk she has like for whatever reason because she's trying to appease the dad or whatever it takes these two bumbling fools out and that is a tricky i kept thinking about those actors and like as adults it's the a very tedious thing and like it's funny because i just watched my eighth grade play that (laughs) i was in and in it were two bumbling oafish characters that repeat their their shtick was their commander would say go to the king and bring to the thing and then the first oath would be go to king blah, blah, blah. and the third one would say even less like they're that dumb they right. just repeat things which is funny for kids but an incredibly tedious thing for adults and so i kept thinking about these poor actors i mean not poor actors i think they did a fine job with it Sorry. but trying to balance that line of the bumbling fool without it being just that irritating wholly irritating thing but yes they bumble their way into starting the train and the train starts rolling 
and most of these as- actors had been, uh, you know, just looking on their IMDb's, had been part of Portlandia, had been part of Grimm, been part of Leverage, uh, Leverage, Librarians. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so they they've done the Portland circuit. Yeah, yeah, and and they all knew each other uh, for sure. Yeah, and showed up on this. And movie I thought set. for these kids, like, what a fun childhood! Totally. Like every couple of years, you get to make a giant train movie with like <laughs> your grandpa. Like that's so cool. Yeah. Um, Didn't grandpa get his job back at the end of the first movie? I believe so, although he was only two years from retirement anyway. But yeah, that was the whole the whole thing. And at the end, so I was listening to our last episode. And the end of the last movie, the bully and his dad, um, who was going to take over the railroad, have the change of heart or whatever, and they're all friends. And the last scene is the bully and his kid and then the grandpa and the other kids all having dinner together um, to say, oh, now we're all friends or whatever. And I had remarked that, I had initially thought this was to set up that all of a sudden the bully's dad and the kid's mom oh, are single you're right. are now going to be in a relationship. And I was furious because it was so unearned. And so, but then they didn't end up doing that in the last movie. Guess what they did in this movie? You're right. They got together. That's so funny. They are barely in this movie. And the, like the coda to this movie is like, they get married. Their wedding. <laughs> like, oh, train mister. <laughs> You almost had me, Trade Master. Um, so, yeah, that was really funny. Well, let's talk about some of the locations. Did you guys recognize um, there was there was a bunch of them? Uh, nothing in Portland, though. <laughs> no, not most Portland. of this, just like the first one, was... Yeah, not Portland proper, though. Um... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, most of it was in West Lynn. Yeah. So I recognize, since uh, that is my new hometown now, uh, many places... There was the Willamette General Store. There was uh, Willamette United Methodist, which I had to look on a map. There was the scene where I forget why. I think the one of the bumbling fools or someone was helping grandma across the sidewalk. That was during their s'mores campaign. Oh, yeah. What was the s'mores campaign? Mark? <laughs> well, <laughs> the the uh, Ms. Frisk is trying to, uh, you know, uh, ruin the the current hospital and replace it with a tire burning energy factory. And she needs to convince the populace of this town of Willamette, I think is the town that they described in the movie um, that, that there's going to be s'more, there's going to be s'more jobs and there's going to be s'more work for everybody and s'more happiness (laughs) and s'more everything. And so, uh, and so the campaign was the s'more campaign and uh and so they had signs and and tchotchkes and glamour uh <laughs> set up and and so the bumbling fools were out there pitching the s'mores campaign and so they were helping old ladies across the street and they had signs on the corners and they did all the things yeah and so they're we're helping that lady across the street and um, I'll, I'll look it up here in, in a little bit, but they are across the street from the United, the Willamette United Methodist and out front of the United Methodist is what looks like um, like where they'd put a statue or a fountain kind of in by the sidewalks. But it looks to be just a giant asteroid. And I'm wondering if that's the Willamette asteroid that we oh. talked about on the Mark and Todd cast huh. or if it's maybe a different asteroid or something like that. But but it was from across the street, but it looked like an oh, that asteroid. W- that would front. be a so I'm gonna, great cameo. Yeah. Wow. So, well, you know what else what made a cameo? Because she also works in a grocer, and I'm not sure if that's the green grocer or the uh, Willamette General Store. I'll the green grocer. Figure out where that is. The green grocer. So I'm not quite sure where that one is, but on the shelves were some Pacific Foods broth boxes. <laughs> and this, this was made... Um, 2012 so it's quite possible that the uh, the copy I wrote for those boxes was still being used so technically yeah. I have now made an appearance in a Portland at the movies nice. movie that's about as good as the uh, Unipiper cameo in Spunked yes exactly. no nothing nothing will beat <laughs> what a sentence what a sentence to have to say <laughs> um, I did mark I, I just kept writing down that 
this looks amazing. And maybe that was just me, but I just kept being amazed at how well it looked for what it was and like yeah. what I knew it cost. Oh. And I was like, Hallmark movies wish that they could get this much out of these found locate. Like I, the Oregon forest looked amazing in this. Like it's it the really best did. I've ever seen it. And like, kids scrambling like real kids scrambling up real waterfalls and there was that one where i don't know how they did, i don't know how they did it but the kids it wasn't the waterfall climb it was before that the little where cliff climb the cliff yeah. climb where there is just a seven-year-old not even seven she was very young <laughs> like scrambling up and like the camera is above her, so they weren't cheating that shot in any way. She's it. It was really yeah. I you was don't really see amazed. her feet. They're they're probably on a little ledge, but but yes, I I totally agree that it looked perilous. Yeah, and I thought and it was a cool mix of like uh, putting children in peril in such a realistic way, but not like in a realistic, super dangerous way. It was right. like, that is a reasonable thing for a child to like, Oh, I could climb that. And I could like whatever. And I, those little moments were done well. And yeah, climbing up next to the waterfall, there was that little behind the scenes shot of that in the credits where they were out on the waterfall, boom mic and their reflectors and the kids. Right. Yeah. Up there. In, in one of those shots in the credits where they were showing the behind the scenes footage, um, it's when they were on the waterfall and they were like climbing the cliff. And then I, it was the director or somebody was holding uh, one of the kids' legs. So, like, that's how they were making sure they were safe. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. So, w we haven't really talked about the fact that this is a time travel movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh, get out our, um, uh, oh, what's that movie? Uh, the time travel. Back time. No, no, no. Time cops. Uh, oh, the really complicated uh, time travel movie. Primer. Yeah. Primer. So that was, yeah, let's yeah, get yeah. on our primer <laughs> diagram for the Thomas. <laughs> Tully. So, so he, the, the stage is set at the very first scene of the movie where in the uh, model railroad, the grandpa shows a little trick where a more modern engine enters the tunnel and then he uh, bleeps the horn twice and it comes out an old tiny engine and uh and he's like you know winks at the kids and oh that's you know magic and whatever uh and so the kids believe that and take that with them to when their train is accosted they happen to go through a tunnel the uh two bumbling fools incidentally blare the horn twice and at which time the kids and the other 40 passengers that are in the train car that we never see again uh, all get old-timey totally old old clothes yeah because they they don't just go try and travel they like Every they're in old timey clothes. The kid pulls a phone out of his pocket, but it's an old Morse code, <laughs> Morse code machine. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. It was silly and yeah. and, and great. But, and so, so they yeah, come no, out. It is a train car full of people. <laughs> totally, it's not just the kids. There's literally like forty other people. But the way the movie presents it, are the, along now, this journey with the them. kids are the only ones who know that they're from the future and they've like time traveled. Everyone else <laughs> is like in character that they've always been in the past. <laughs> right. There's not just a train There's car of dead people fainting, <laughs> fainting woman and helpful passenger as credited on IMDB. And <laughs> And uh, yeah, they're in old timey clothes and they are now in the past. Yeah. And so uh, so now they're on the other side of the bridge in the past. They still have their map. They still have the letter that came with the map. They they have their implements that are now just 150 years old style. Yeah. And uh, and so they head off to follow the map to yeah. find the treasure. And what was interesting to me is that this just seemed to be a regular, like this train did not have lore to it. Like oh. it's just a train on a regular track that must be used all the time. <laughs> but this one, this time it just transported everyone back in time. 
the kids believed. So <laughs> let's yeah. uh, taking this conversation to its natural conclusion. Um, let's talk about how they get back to the present at the end of the film. Yes. So the the bumbling fools received the instruction from the kids. Oh, it was the two blares of the horn in the tunnel. Perfect. Let's all get on the train now and do that. The bumbling fools then disconnect the the engine from the passenger car and they go on to the future. So they hit the tunnel and uh, and then the kids are sad and uh, they walk away and they find a flatbed car that the four of them can sit on. Oh, right. right and they're right. like, well, you know, we can't really do anything with this. And as they are just laying on it uh tree climber <laughs> reemerges. we haven't talked about tree climber yet no we so haven't. tree climber as seen in the movie twilight um <laughs> oh really yeah he's from the movie twilight oh wow uh there's uh yeah <laughs> he's from the movie twilight uh so he is a native american from the past who has little you know he has wisdom to impart to them and helps he them shows with up to help food, and then disappears and gives them a blanket and, and you know mm. all, the, all the things and helps them on their journey and then at the, and he the last moment that we see him he says oh we'll see each other again and uh as they're laying there on the flatbed uh train car sad that they can't go back to the future because there's no way to get into the tunnel uh the uh tree climber dude he uh pushes the flatbed car into the train they blow the whistle that they had in their bag uh because they're train fans uh-huh. and they, they had shown the kids playing with that early in the movie and uh, they blare the horn and they pop back into the future leaving a train full of of <laughs> passengers in the past forever <laughs> they never bring up the fact that they time traveled to anyone no. nor do they seem surprised by it. when tree climber they're sitting around the forest at night and tree climber literally jumps out of the tree next to them and none of them even are startled they're like oh hey i'm like they don't even stranger. say to they don't even say hey to him <laughs> they say like hey who's that guy <laughs> Do you, do you think, do you want to talk to him or should I talk yeah, to him? He's right there. Do you think he, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to hurt us. No. Do you think he's going to hurt us? And then, and one guy's like, oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> Weird. Yeah. So they, and I was, oh, uh, go ahead. Well, tree climber back in the present uh, is the janitor at the hospital. Yeah. And that's a reveal at the end. We see the janitor once, but he's kind of in the shadows and has a hat pulled down. And then he is at the end revealed to have been tree climber all along. Now doing our manual labor since we stole his land. So was he one of the passengers? Exactly. That's what I'm. How did he get back? That's what I'm asking is that are we supposed to believe that he was on the train and he was transported back? Or is this just tree climbers like descendant in in the present? Tree Climber is a spirit guide. So it's I, I, he transcends time. It, it, it's essentially the magical Negro trope. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Oh yes, yeah. It is. And I thought he was a ninja for a long time because <laughs> he was, you know, creeping around in the shadows. But he's also wearing like this bright green, like what looked like a karate gi. And I was like, oh, I guess he's a ninja. But then I was like, oh, he's I guess he's ba- supposed to be he's Native American. Vance. Yeah. <laughs> He is, and I wrote down that, I mean, it sounds like he's been in, in larger movies, that Tree Climber was either the best actor I had ever seen or the worst actor I had ever seen <laughs> because he is so low-key. He was almost like when they have to have someone read half the script off screen, like if you're right. somebody just, the PA has to stand in and like read the other side of the lines. Like he was giving that low energy. Like <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> I said, good day, Dr. Baxter. 
I said good day. And that was like, either that's a genius choice because it's such a contrast to a group of screaming kids and like all of this chaotic, magical, goofy, buffoon stuff. But he... It was very engaging, and I, I couldn't. And so I think I'm I'm landing on the side of like that was a, a genius acting yeah. choice. No, I like him on tr- on tree climbers part. I I loved though well, when they were going in the tunnel to travel back to the present, and tree climber was pushing them. It's filmed in slow motion as they're going towards the tunnel, <laughs> and then at the last second, it speeds up to like triple time, and then you see tree climber just his little <laughs> legs are running, and then they only. <laughs> blow the whistle one time even though it you know it had been clear the whole time that you have to blow the whistle twice in the tunnel they only blow it once right so it must be the exact combination between that sound but also needing to be on wheels because like couldn't they if they blew the horn twice with their just walking <laughs> does that not work do they need to be on the track it's a train it's a train a near frictionless environment for that <laughs> to work <laughs> Um, I did. There were a couple funny. Uh, the going back to the buffoons that were in the the two the two bumbling bad guys. There were a couple moments where I was like, "All right, these guys are doing some good work," because there were the land developer lady was yelling at both of them, and they were doing that thing where they're like leaning back as she's yelling, you know, in their face, and they kind of spring back up when she moves back. But they did a little like. Like at the end, it wasn't just like they bolted upright. It was like a little. They were on springs, and I was like, oh, "That's some great work there. They're they're doing it." And there's another moment where they're like fighting each other, three stooges style, and or something happens to one of their hands, and the guy's like, "Ah, oh, that's my nose holding hand." And it's like, "Well, that's a funny thing to say, but dang damn it, for the rest of that movie." He is grabbing his nose, whether he's like plunging in the water or doing. So. He is constantly. Whole, I was like, "Dang, that a train master." I don't know if that was like a choice by the actor, but I mean, what a funny. That's my nose holding hand, and it was. It was his nose the whole time. Uh, his was, backstory is like just a novel. Maybe the actor inexplicably kept holding his nose, and then they're like, "How are we going to explain this?" Well, do you remember in Dazed and Confused, the the little teenager actor that was his go-to thing, he did, and like he said much longer after time, he's like, it's embarrassing how much I did that, but all of Dazed and Confused, that kid is grabbing his nose, and I was like, that's a genius thing to plant that at the beginning so that we're not distracted by it the whole time. This dude, this movie was a little, threw a little shade at the Willamette Police Department. What? Well, the grandpa, after he knows that the train has been, the train is gone and there's people and children on board. Or no, I guess that was before they figured out they were on the train, but the kids were missing. The kids were missing. So he runs to the police department and he's like, my kid, my grandkids are missing. And it was the typical. How long have they been gone? Well, they've been gone for two hours. Well, you know, you can't report anything for 24 hours. Which, Which is I totally don't a myth. think it's a thing, it's right? A thing. That's such a dangerous myth to keep <laughs> right. propagating of everything because everybody waits. But yeah, she's the typical like we'll get get to it. But they're like standing next to a big thing that's like Willamette Police Department. <laughs> I don't know if they were they knew they were gonna be thrown under the bus like that. <laughs> there was, I wrote down again. The Oregon Forest has never looked better, and then they did this shot. So they're walking through the forest, these kids. And then uh, there's a, a scene change, um, and it's you know a close-up of some rocks and moss or something like that. But there's this giant golden thing that kind of looks like the Sankara stones from Temple of Doom, just like kind of glowing, but you don't really know what it is. And the the camera moves back to a wider shot, and the kids it's a path, and the kids walk to the path and sit down. And I'm like, what is is like is that some sunlight shining off there? And it ends up, the kids are like, oh, we're hungry. And they turn around, and that's a, a big honeycomb that they kind of grab out of the thing. And I was like, that was beautiful. Like, to show this gold thing, you're not quite sure what it is. Right. And then it plays into the scene. I'm like, train master, you've done it again. Where's our applause button? <laughs> no, that's not that one. <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> Standing O. Um, what else do we have? Um, we have not talked about the payoff of the S'mores campaign. 
Ah, yes. <laughs> well, should we get that? Let should we should we say how how they save they save the hot because they're they're trying to find this gold, and so they're all trudging through the forest. They're matching the map. I was disappointed because they're following the map Goonie style, and they'll hold it up, you know, and it'll mimic the landscape. And they would superimpose the map with the landscape, but only for like two seconds and it was always like faded so it was like way too fast to ever see that map and i just wanted to hold on that map a little bit longer uh they end up finding the the a cave that they go into they shot in a real cave which i thought was really cool and i but i was disappointed about how they found the gold or where the gold was because they walked in they find the skeleton, which I thought was pretty scary for a, a little kids movie like that. Yep. They, they were not scared. They're like, oh, that, like that must be our great non -pl Yeah. Nonplussed about finding a decomposed human body staring at them. But yeah, it's their great, 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 great grandfather. They find the rest of the letter or whatever to put the clues together, which is just the gold was under a big rock that yes. could be easily moved by children. <laughs> It wasn't easily moved by children. Sammy had to had to discuss with them what leverage is, and he's like, oh, "Put the long stick here. Now let's put, and now we can open it." Yeah. So Sammy came to the rescue. Sammy did come to the rescue, but I was surprised no adult had ever thought maybe we should move this big rock with a long stick. <laughs> <laughs> so they find, yeah, uh, they find the gold. They get back. They get pushed back by by tree climber into into the current times where the lady, the land investor lady, is announcing her 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 plan to take or trying to get all the s'mores people right. <laughs> to be excited for her plan. And and so yeah, so it's the mayor is going to hand over the land at the end of the day. He's got the deed, which seems weird that the mayor is handling these. <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice kids real movie estate. Well, that, like the mayor does, you know, has that kind and of. And the, the representative from the hospital who was going to hand the land over was the doctor. So like the doctor is also the hospital administrator. <laughs> totally. She owns it. And, uh, and in front of the stage where they're having this big press conference, are three of the 10 foot kiddie pools, you know, 10 foot wide, one foot deep kiddie Blue pools. plastic, yeah. Uh, and one is filled with chocolate, <laughs> one is filled with marshmallows, and one is filled with s'more, uh, with spores, <laughs> with, with graham crackers. Anthrax. And he's gay. I mean, he's blind. Uh, and, uh, and so the, the culmination of, you know, She's trying to press home this s'mores campaign, and so she's got vats of s'mores <laughs> for, materials <laughs> for people just to put their hands into the hand <laughs> like, s'mores. How is this gonna work? Uh, and and of course, and so the bumbling fools get back with the gold. Hey, I we've got something to tell you. No, 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 you're too stupid. I'm not gonna talk to you right now. No, no, no. We we've got something really important to tell No, you're fired. And uh they are now dismissed, but they've got the gold. Yeah, they stole it from the kids. And they stole it from the kids. And I don't remember I don't really remember well, how then they the kids, get it back. The kids come back and then they get that great model of the, the oh, future right. of the right. tire climbing factory, tree brings it. I mean, this is oh, that's right because he found that in the in Miss Frisk's office, yeah. right? And this, I mean, when I say this model, I mean, and it was like a model railroad, but the design of it, and this is maybe a deep cut, but it looks like it's like Anton First, who who did all the production design on Tim Burton's Batman. He like designed <laughs> all of Gotham City and like all of that totally. stuff. It was like he made this model. It was like dark and like sinister it was just, it just so Big tires everywhere yeah, burning tires um smokestacks so yeah tree climber presents that like here's and then the kids come back and are like this has been the real plan all along and the townspeople which i loved this group of like i don't know 25 being <laughs> random people just standing <laughs> standing there 
it, and it was such it's such a classic into a kids movie that the bad guy in this case Miss Frisk gets pushed into that vat of chocolate that pool full of chocolate sauce <laughs> and then she randomly pulls herself out of that into the find herself in the marshmallows and then of course she gets out of the marshmallows to scramble into the graham crackers so and then she great. scurries away into the as, and as she was yeah. scurrying away she was calling for her lawyer whose name whose character name i guess was cogs but i thought she was calling dogs dogs i thought she wanted dogs to come lick off the s'mores <laughs> oh. <laughs> i thought maybe she's calling dogs to attack the crowd uh, but that last, I'm I'm 99% sure I haven't I haven't uh, validated it yet. But the where they were having that little ceremony in front of that building, with the with is the sunset, sunset hall, which is up by uh, my house. And it was like, oh, that's where we play tennis all the time. Because <laughs> like right across the parking lot is they have tennis and basketball court outside. It's like, hey, the sunset hall. So that took place there. That was really fun to see. Um, yeah, that's when I wrote down, wait, who's the train master? <laughs> and who is the train master in the first one? Was Grandpa the train master? I guess it was master? supposed to be Grandpa. Okay. And I did ask because when the, the two bumbling fools steal the, the engine in the past to go through the tunnel, they're like, but we've got to turn this train around. And they never do. Mm. They just unbuckle it and go further. So I wasn't <laughs> clear on where they turned this train around to get on the other side of the cars that they detached from. But I guess the, I guess if I can, if I can handle time travel, which I, I was in, it was interesting to me because the time travel was never like, this wasn't a vision that they all had. Like they weren't all knocked out and imagined. It was like presented as this is just real. And nobody seemed very shocked by it. (laughs) Wouldn't it be fun just to like, let's, dramatize a newscast of today there were 35 people who are missing from the train and like and just it's been a year since the tragedy totally struck and the missing train went totally. <laughs> all sorts of conspiracy theories with their size they like the real truth it's just a whole thing oh man um, I did, I was, I both liked and was confused by, so when they go into the past, all of their electronics, everything they own, everything they're wearing becomes the, uh, the, of that olden days time period. So the telegraph was their cell phone, blah, blah, blah. During their adventures going through the forest in the past, Sammy out of his science brain builds the one kid who needs a, a leg brace, a leg brace out of. I don't know what there's metal on that thing. I don't know where, I don't know where Sammy's getting these materials to forge a, a leg brace. Yeah, it's straight up like polio leg brace. <laughs> like it, it had straps to go yeah, around it. Springs. Foot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like out of the wild, wild west movie where it was like sprockets <laughs> and gears. Totally. So he built that. But when they go back, back to the future, that leg brace, I was like, where did it? And then I understood it is now a future or a, a present right. day. It modernized. It modernized very fancy oh, leg brace. Oh, it's a two-way time Clever. Travel. Yeah, and I wasn't sure how I felt about that. Like, I guess I was okay with the things turning back in the past, but I guess I drew the line <laughs> at <laughs> things becoming from the future. Um, so, they, yeah, they get back. The kids never seem to ever say anything about how they just time traveled and found gold and all of that. We get the scene where she, the lady falls in all the s'mores and then we kind of fade out and then fade back into the wedding of the bully, the former bully and the mom, which they weren't in the movie since they lost their children again at the beginning of this movie. And so we get that unearned that unearned marriage at the end. It was a long burn payoff from that first film. <laughs> it was. It was so funny when I listened back to that, how furious I was. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ended up happening in this. But then we got uh, some nice... Oh, I was yeah. going to say, can you imagine if you were the director or one of the stars listening to our first podcast and then you're complaining about that and they're they're screaming, <laughs> like, watch the sequel! <laughs> Just watch the sequel! <laughs> they can see the future that I could not. Um, 
But the ending, yeah, we got some nice fun little end credits where almost everyone who appeared in the movie got their own little, like how they used to do on sitcoms, the still, the freeze frame of the person and then put their name over it at the end of it. So yeah. everybody got that, including and some extras, including like some fainting lady. <laughs> Help. Helpful, uh, passenger. helpful, helpful train passenger. Yeah, they got one. The the lady and the daughter oh. in bed who pleading family. <laughs> that girl, the little girl, was Please. the best actor in the movie. Her one word. Please. <laughs> Please. Yeah, they were pleading to help help fund the hospital. SAG eligible. <laughs> but yeah, it was neat to see some of the behind the scenes too because you had the equipment and the 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 boom mics and the like all of that for these forest scenes. It was just really cool, really cool to see. We did get a a post a a Marvel-esque post-credit sequence. Did you guys st- stick around for that? Uh we So after after all the credits we get uh, a new scene where it's Miss Frisk, who is now oh, the janitor. Yeah. I did see that. Uh, of, of whatever, so she has now become the the janitor. I forget how the two. Oh, and she's working at a place. Good called Earth Industries. Good Earth, because the two bumbling fools they learned a lesson along the way. Because the little girl every time was like, "No, the letter says that we're only allowed to take this gold if we do some good." And it just happens that their last name is G-O-O-D-E, good. And so at the end, that's when that's what happens. They take the money from Miss Frisk because they're like, we're only allowed to do good with it. And so they steal it back and start their own company. And now Miss Frisk is the janitor of that. Yay. Which is how it's wrapped up. But yeah, once once again, what a delight this movie was. And I, I hope we can maybe track down or, or, or remember where where we heard about the last one about kind of calling in favors to people who were in town for shooting something else to come help put a put another movie together because it is I wrote down at one point where is it when I kept going on and on about how good this looked I want this filmmaker to come back and make another movie and I want to be in it (laughs) I think if we if we're manifesting anything I guess what the bleep style we are going to manifest ourselves into another maybe Thomas now has grown up he has his own kids the kids get into a wacky misadventure and we can somehow we'll be the bumbling fools maybe maybe the unipiper can go by in the street just somehow Todd, we will be involved. You, you need in, to write this. <laughs> I need to write Train Master Three and, and send it send it in. <laughs> uh, well, did you happen to watch this with 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 your child, Brian? I did, did not. Uh, she was like she was adult, already in bed yourself. when I started last night. Okay, okay. Because I do this. Although I know the first Train Master, I think is available on the director has his own um, Vimo page or whatever that uh, Vivo Vimeo. page. Vimeo. Vimeo. Well, there's a Vivio, there's a Vimeo and a Vivo. I think maybe Vivo is just for music, uh, but yeah, on on his page. So I know that one's available. This one is a little a little bit uh, tougher to find, but I would say both of these, I, especially since it was so fun to see so much of West Lynn, and uh, the same with the first one had a bunch of West Lynn locations. I thought it was very fun. So this is this was once again. I don't. I can't tell if I would. I would. I say this is better. Do you, what, what, how would you rank these between train master and Thomas and the train master? Hmm. I, I, I personally like the first movie better. Uh, uh, and, and thought it was more appealing for a wider audience. Yeah. Okay. And this one was a remake of Pete's dragon <laughs> or the Goonies with time travel, with time travel, <laughs> a little bit of back to the future. Um, okay, I, I, this movie did uh, the first one did look great. I think this one looked a little bit better, but it could be that we watched the first one in standard definition or something like that. But either one of them, if you can track down Train Master, it's a delightful. It's not a like we said in our last episode. It's not a Christmas movie as such, but it has that wholesome. It is not it, as far as ch- especially children's entertainment. It is not a painful thing to sit through like a lot of those movies and, and shows for kids that age tend to be so i would definitely check it out they're super fun they're super charming well done again another standing ovation for for thomas and the and the train master as far as as far as my opinion goes maybe i'm overselling it it was fine 
<laughs> it was fine. Well, then, and especially in the context of what we we're just coming off a of spunk's not dead. <laughs> I mean, can there be two polar opposites of this show <laughs> than than these two movies? <laughs> so, and that looking at it from that, I think it deserves it deserves some praise. So, is there anything that the Unipiper is doing coming up? Uh, for Christmas or for for New Year's January, um, February. F- oh, uh, the the Fan Expo Comic Con uh, is coming to Portland in February. Um, yes, they've yes. got quite the guest list uh, now. The entire cast of Back to the Future. <gasps> oh really? I only heard Michael. Oh J. yeah, Fox. no. Now they got Christopher Lloyd, uh, uh, Leah Thompson. Is Leah Thompson yes. going to be there? Oh, I had such a crush on the fifties uh-huh. version of her from Back to the Future. Oh man, yeah, Biff. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Thomas Wilson, yeah. Thomas F. Wilson yes. from Freaks and Geeks yes. is going to be yes. there. I I, oh I met him one time. He was doing stand up comedy in Portland. And I brought uh, my diecast uh, DeLorean for him to sign, and he refused. Yep, I was gonna say, did he hand you one of the cards that he hands out? <laughs> he used to walk around with the cards, and they would say like, "Yes, I am that guy from Back to the Future." No, I am not like Biff in real life, <laughs> and like just a list of questions that he always gets asked. He would hand that out to people. No, at that point, yeah, if I ever met him, at that point, I was just guilted into buying his DVD, and he signed that. <laughs> That is hilarious. hilarious. But yeah, that guy, I mean, not only just, I mean, even watching the Back to the Future movies, which I think all all of them hold up. The third one wasn't that great in the first place. But the first two, uh, the first one might be like the perfect movie, a perfect movie, like maybe not the best movie ever, but a perfectly constructed. I've heard that argument. Wonderfully made. Yeah, it's so good. And he like in all of those movies a different take on Biff every time for every little thing. I mean, so great. And then, yeah, as the gym teacher in freaks and geeks, just, just amazing. That's what I would bring up if I, if I ever met him, because I'm sure he doesn't, he doesn't get that as much as he gets Biff. So, but yeah, I'm excited. And Sam Raimi will be there. I keep wondering if Bruce Campbell is going to pop. I know. It seems like that would be kind of a neat fit. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he wants to meet the back to the future cast. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, check that out. I will be tagging along with with you there, um, Mark. Any any exciting things coming up in your life? No, that people uh, need to know about just uh, uh, the Mark and Todd cast. Uh, l- listen to us for uh, science and Portland topics, and uh, that's about it. Happy holidays! Happy holidays to you and Yorn to everyone that's out there we'll take you out with whatever plays over the end credits of thomas and the train master thank you guys for listening 